welcome to the Branding for Women podcast, where we come to connect with and learn from other female entrepreneurs like you. I'm your host, Carly Brinton. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Branding for Women podcast. I am super, super excited to share my guest with you today. Today, we have Angie Ronick, who's a pediatric speech therapist. And no matter where you are in life, if you're a working mom, if you get to stay home and focus on your kids, um, if you're like me and you're trying to do a little bit of both, and no matter where you are in your parenting journey, if your kids are older or if you're like me and your kids just won and you're starting to wonder about speech and their development, Angie's here to answer all of your questions. And so I'd love to turn the time over to her and give a big welcome to Angie Ronick. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'd love to give the listeners a little insight into how you got to where you are in speech therapy. Could you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. So when I was in high school, I had a cousin who was a speech therapist, and we were actually on vacation together. And uh, my younger cousin was having trouble saying his R sound. And I was trying to teach him how to do it the right way in my very limited knowledge. And she said, hey, you should be a speech therapist. You're pretty good at that. And then ever since, that was the plan. So I've wanted to do this since I was 16 years old. Um, I went to get my bachelor's degree at Utah State University. They have a really great speech speech, uh, and communication disorders program there. And then I got my master's degree at the University of Utah. And I graduated there in 2013. I worked for Davis School District after that. I knew I wanted to work with kids and with, you know, birth to 21 population. So I went and worked in the school district, which is a really great way to get a broad skill base because you see all kinds of kids. So I saw kids with autism and Down syndrome and all kinds of disabilities and diagnoses. Then I saw toddlers who were late talkers. I saw kids who are working on like speech sounds like R and TH. So I really kind of cultivated my skills there. Um, And then in 2016, I decided I wanted to start seeing um, private clients just out of my home, very low key, and just kind of dip my toe in the water of having my own private practice. So I got my first client in August of 2016 and saw her just out of my home in my kitchen. And it was really fun. And an amazing experience. And I just fell in love with how I could have the parent right there in the room with me, which is something that I didn't get from doing speech therapy in the school district. And I just saw what amazing benefit it was to have the parent there and involved and watching the session and knowing what I was doing and why, and then going home and practicing and really practicing, you know, and And I saw huge gains that I didn't get to see in the schools just because of that setting is a little more limited in what I can do. And, and I just loved parent education and helping these kids find their voices and, and communicate and interact. So I did that. And so I've been doing this for about four years, almost four years this coming August. And Loving it ever since, getting more specialized and more training um, in how to teach parents how to help their kids. So, wow, I that's where I'm at. 
Thank you so much for one being in this field because it's definitely that something it's something that's definitely really needed. And I love how you are shifting the emphasis to be working with the child as well as with the parent so that they're able to practice things when they're home from school and throughout other aspects of their life. It reminds me of when I was younger, I'm the oldest, and my younger siblings actually did some speech therapy themselves. And I remember going over to the University of Utah and dropping them off or sitting outside in the waiting room while they worked with their therapist. And I was pretty bored because I was like six. But then um, my mother discovered that we could have people come to our home as well. And I loved being an observer during those sessions and watching them interact with my little siblings and teaching them how to say their sounds a little bit better and how to say certain words. And it was really cool to see how we could implement that after the therapist was gone and the tricks and games that we would play with my siblings to help them feel more confident in their speech and just kind of grow in that a little bit. And I think that experience has really influenced me into being more aware of how I'm bringing up my son, who is only one right now, but mm -hmm. we're getting to that age where he's babbling, he's making sounds. And um, I'm wondering at what point should I start to feel concerned about a speech delay? When should I start? Like at what point should he be forming words? And like, is there an average amount of words that a one or a two or a three-year-old should have in their vocabulary or does it vary for each child? That is such a great question and an important question. So you can access speech services for infants to from the day that a child is born. So depending on your child, most kids won't need it that young, but if you have a little baby who doesn't pass their newborn hearing screening, that's going to impact their speech and language development. Mm -hmm. If you have a baby that's born with Down syndrome, we know that's going to impact their speech and language development. So we can kind of track all these skills from birth until your child is talking that also impact speech. So we call those pre-language skills. So some pre-language skills are things like making eye contact, uh, social smiling, pointing, waving, signing, gesturing. Those skills predict future language skills. So if you've got a little, you know, six-month-old who's not maybe looking at you when you're talking or turning their attention to you when you're speaking, you might want to start focusing in on that and having maybe reach out and see if you can consult with a speech therapist and say, okay, how do I build this skill up so that we are prepared and have good, a good foundation for language and speech later on. So we want to focus um, from birth to that first year on those pre-language skills. And then as your baby starts babbling, there's two types of babbling. Um, one is called reduplicative, which is like ma, 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 ma. And then the other is called canonical or variegated babbling. So it varies. Ma, da, ba, da, ba, you know, that kind of jargony speech. So the more simple babbling is that reduplicative babbling. And so if you have a one-year-old who's still doing that reduplicative babbling, you're going to start thinking, man, it's not getting more complex. It's not starting to sound more like speech. And then you would reach out and maybe say, 
hey, we're not really making progress with babbling. I've tried this and that. What are some things I can do to build up their babbling skills? Right? And so then the next step is going from that reduplicative babbling to first words. So at one year old, the average one year old has about one to five words between one and five words. And we want to make sure that we're including sign language and animal sounds when they are used as a word. So a lot of people are like, well, what is a word? My kid barks when they see a dog. Is that a word? Or, you know, they kind of, it's, it's sometimes hard when you get down to it to figure out what is actually, what actually counts. So a word is anything that the child uses with intention, consistently, and in the correct context. So if your child says mama, but you're not in the room and they just randomly said it one off, that's not necessarily them saying mama. But if you walk into the room, they look up and they say mama and reach out for you, that's a word. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, we also want to look at words even if your child doesn't say them correctly. So if they're blanket, they say GG, I don't know, <laughs> something that sounds nothing like blanket, but they use it consistently in the right context and with intention, that's their word for blanket and that counts. So if your child has one to five intentional words at one-year-old, they're on the right track. If you have a one-year-old who's doing maybe some reduplicative babbling and they're not yet saying those words, that's where you kind of say, okay, how do I get them from this step to the next? How do we progress them from, from doing that more complex babbling to saying an actual word with intention? And that's where a speech therapist can help you and, and guide you and teach you how to build those language skills. So that's kind of like the first year. <laughs> speech skills. So if you go from there, this is kind of where it gets tricky. Because if you talk to a pediatrician, they use milestones to track development. Mm -hmm. So at two years old, your pediatrician will ask you if your child has 50 words. At two years old, the average, not the milestone, but the average two-year-old has between one and 200 words. So they're asking kind of for the bare minimum and what would be considered like if you have less than 50 words, your child does have a delay. That is a red flag. But if you're just kind of like at the cusp of 50 words, I think parents should be aware that they, they need to be active in building up that vocabulary and maybe start focusing on speech activities. So we got one to five ish words at one year old. And then 18-month-olds, the average is 50. Two-year-olds, the average is 1 to 200. So that's kind of those toddler years where we are focused on speech. Those are kind of the mild markers in those early years. Awesome. Thank you. That's really good to know. I do have a question that kind of builds off the last one. I'd love to maybe address concerns for parents with older kids as well if you have any red flags that maybe they can look for as their children are in like their elementary years, like are there two or three things that a parent could look for to identify if their child is experiencing a delay during those ages? Okay. Yes. So there's a lot of skills that make up speech. So 
I'm just going to give like some very, very basics. If you want more information on what's normal for those age groups, you can go on to asha.org. That's my the American Speech, Hearing, and Language Association. So it's asha.org. Um, and they'll have a lot more detail than I can go into right now. But let me just give you the foundational skills that I look for across Perfect. the age groups. Okay. So at, after two years old, kids will start putting words together into phrases. And we kind of count what's called the MLU or the mean length of utterance, average number of words they say in a sentence, right? So in two years old, kids should mostly be using two word phrases. At three years old, mostly three word phrases. At four years old, mostly four word phrases and on up. So if you can kind of track, like if your four-year-old is mostly using two word phrases, there might be a delay there. Right. So if you think about like words being put into sentences, just kind of calculate and keep track of that um, just throughout the day. Are they mostly using longer sentences or shorter single words? OK, then we want to look at speech sound development, too, because speech isn't just vocabulary. It's also the sounds we say mm -hmm. um, at two years old, your child should be about 50% understood by a stranger. They should understand about half of what your child says. At three years old, at 75. At four years old, your child should be 100% intelligible, or people should understand 100% of what they say. And so if your child's hard to understand, that's when you'd want to reach out and figure out exactly what speech sounds are they're having trouble with and make sure there's no other problems going on. Sometimes there can be like structural differences that make it hard to say a speech sound um, that need to be addressed. Like enlarged tonsils can sometimes make problems for speech sounds or um, if there's a cleft palate that's gone undiagnosed, we wanna take a look at that. So they should be 100% intelligible by four years old and be putting four word phrases together. From kindergarten to like sixth grade, the best way to identify speech problems is by listening to a child tell a story, tell you a story. And when they tell you a story, can they give you a clear beginning, middle, and end? Or are they talking all around it? Um, one way that I describe kids in the elementary ages who have a language delay is that they're a labor to listen to. It's, you have to put a lot of effort in as a listener to follow their story and understand what they're talking about. And, you know, it's sometimes a long story and they're not getting to the point of the story. And so you're listening and trying to figure out what the point is. And it takes a lot of effort on your part just to sit and listen. If you have a child that you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's my kid, there's probably a language delay going on there, a language deficit. And... Um, that's something that as an SLP, a speech language pathologist that I help address. I, I can teach kids how to form a story, how to form clear sentences, how to get a main idea across, how to tell a complex story. Um, and you can also listen to kids grammar in that setting. So you can listen to their story. Are they making pronoun errors? Are they using irregular past tense correctly? So we look at grammar in that sense. You can listen for fluency. So fluency is stuttering. 
Are they having smooth speech when they're telling you a story? Or is there lots of stuttering moments in there that they're struggling with? Um, you can check on social skills. That's another thing speech therapists work on. You can see if they're making eye contact, if they're telling appropriate stories, um, if they're, you know, sending the right body language and using facial expressions appropriately, if they are using figurative language. So, so using narratives or personal stories to kind of touch base with how your kids are doing with their speech is a great way to kind of track how they're doing in each of those areas. Um, a lot of schools will do Dibbles testing um, throughout the year, at least in Utah, that's very popular. Dibbles testing, it's like a reading test where they look at reading fluency and narrative retail. And I, I always emailed teachers right before Dibbles testing and said, if you have a kid who can't who can't pass the narrative retail portion of the Dibbles testing, please contact me because they probably have a language delay. Um, so those reading and speech skills are really interconnected. Um, if you think about like a child who, who struggles to learn vocabulary, that's a kid with a language delay. They're going to struggle learning vocabulary and reading that can impact their math because they, struggle reading, you know, struggle learning math vocabulary. It impacts science vocabulary. And so, so I, I feel like speech and language is really central to understanding why a child is struggling in other areas. And that's a great thing to check for if your child starts to struggle in school. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing that really basic information. Um, and for giving us that resource to look into for more information as well. We'll put that in the show notes so our listeners can go and find a direct link to that website. Um, I have a couple of questions stemming from what you just talked about. And I'm wondering if you have any words of encouragement for parents who are working with a child experiencing a speech delay, because I know it can be easy to feel like you as a parent have done something wrong, like you didn't keep up on helping them learn. Um, and you can take that to heart and it can get really, um, really emotional. Do you have any words of encouragement for those parents? Yes, I am so glad that you asked this question because it's such an important part of this little journey that parents are on. A lot of people think that a speech delay is no big deal or that, you know, that, their kid's going to catch up. And so as a parent, when your child has a speech delay, you're hearing all these messages and advice like, well, are, you should read to your child. These parents are reading to their child. <laughs> a kid who learns language naturally is in an environment where their parents are doing exactly what the speech delayed parents are doing. They learn it by just their parents talking to them, reading them a book here and there, asking them questions, and just those basic play skills. Kids with a language delay need more than that. So it's not your, it's not the parent's fault for doing what's natural to them because their kid learns language differently. And so part of that journey is recognizing that your child learns language differently and there's a, a learning difference there and a different learning style and then addressing it. So I think taking that burden off your shoulders of, oh, I didn't read enough or I haven't talked to them enough. I didn't play with them enough. 
that's usually not the case. I've had maybe one parent in my almost 10 years of experience so far who I watched them interact with their child and they weren't talking enough. And as soon as I clued into that and she started chatting, their kid started talking. So one parent in 10 years was not talking enough to their child. And I think that's a testament to the fact that it's not a parenting issue. It's just a new way of interacting. The other thing that I wish parents would understand is that this is not a, an issue that you are responsible for fixing all on your own. As parents, we feel like we're kind of on the front line. I'm a parent myself. I have two little girls, and I definitely understand the feeling of I'm their first teacher, right? I'm, I'm the one that's setting up the foundation. And if there's something, um, a difference in the way your child learns language or there's a delay there, you feel like, oh, I didn't set that foundation. And it's my job as a parent to get them back on track. It takes a team with these kids. You need professionals who are on your team, like a great pediatrician, a great speech therapist. If your child needs other therapies, um, making sure you surround your, yourself with people who are there to help your child. Um, there's only so much that you can do as a mom, right? There's only so much that we can control and that we can influence. And it's okay to need a therapist to do something that you may not have the capacity to do for your child. I can, I can get my kids ready for the day. I'm great at playing with them. I'm really good at um, cooking dinner for them. But something that I cannot handle is teaching them how to ride bikes. I lose my patience. It puts me in a terrible place. I don't know why that frustrates me so much. But I am not the bike teacher. I am not the tooth puller in this family. Those are things I do not have capacity for. And so some parents do not have the capacity to be their child's speech pathologist. And that's okay. It's not all up to the parent to catch your kid up. And all you really need to do for these kids is love them, right? That's, that's all they're really looking for is that connection. And if you consistently give that, you're doing a really great job. So that's what I wish new parents embarking on the speech journey knew. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. A thought that I had um, is thinking about the child. Do you have any advice for a parent um, as they're working through delays and making improvements in their child's development with how they can help their child not feel stupid or feel like ashamed for being in a different place than maybe some other peers? Oh, another really, really great issue to bring up. One thing that I always try to instill in the kids that I work with is that concept of grit that everybody has strengths and weaknesses and there's things that you're good at that I'm not good at and there's things that your friend is good at that you're not good at and there's things that you're really great at that someone else can't do. And this is one of the things that takes a little bit of extra effort from you. And so I love when I'm just starting out with a new student or a new client that's the conversation I like to have is I'm 
I always ask them, what do you think my job is? What do you, what do we think we're working on? And then they kind of, you know, it kind of opens up that conversation to look, I noticed there's some things you're really good at. You're really great at soccer. Your mom told me all about how awesome you are at soccer. She told me that you want to be a scientist and you love to do fun experiments. And one thing that's kind of tricky for you is sometimes when you're saying something, you use your tongue is so silly and it uses the wrong speech sound. And sometimes your words don't come out quite the way you wanted them to. And it's my job to help you do that. So you could be an even better scientist and an even better soccer player and an even better friend and an even better student. And so setting it up in the sense that it's like, instead of you're different and you're not as good at talking and, you know, or you you stutter and no one else does. And so maybe don't raise your hand so much so you don't have, you know, making it a shameful thing. Instead, make it something that they can improve in and can accomplish. Make a goal together. Uh, make it apply to them. Um, some kids get really frustrated in speech because they don't understand what the problem is. And so I think it's a disservice to kids to not tell them why they're in speech. Um, because then they think it's a waste of time. They think they can already talk and just fine. And they don't think there's an issue and they don't see how it impacts their life. So I do like to show them that this is an important skill to have and also show them their progress. So anytime that they improve in speech, I always take time to say, when I first saw you, <coughs> You weren't able, I would ask you why questions, and you couldn't answer those questions. One time I asked you, why do we wear shoes? And you said, on your feet. That's not the right answer. That's what you told me in the beginning. Today I asked you why we wear shoes, and you told me to protect our feet. That's why I can't believe it. You understand it now. So first, showing them the why behind what you're doing and teaching them in a way where they understand strengths and weaknesses and that this is something that we practice is a good way to establish. And then you encourage them by showing them their own progress and praising them for that and, and making it a big deal because it is a big deal. These kids are at a disadvantage and any time that they gain a new skill, they are like, hyper developing which is so incredible and it's hard work for them and it's hard work for the parents and so every one of those little successes I try and celebrate them oh that's really good advice thank you so much uh, where can our listeners go to learn more from you how can they find you so I am probably most active on Instagram. My handle is at SpeechWorksUtah. And I've got a website that's SpeechWorksUtah, and I'm SpeechWorksUtah on Facebook as well. And um, I also am offering a course for parents online. And it kind of is for late-talking toddlers or kids one birth to five with a language delay. Um, or kids with a more severe disability like autism or Down syndrome that are a little bit older, this would be a great course for. And I walk parents through how to identify strengths and weaknesses, how to set goals for your child, and all the best techniques for building language. I've got videos of real parents using it with their speech-delayed kids so that you can see it in action and see how to implement it. 
um, week by week. So that's a really great program for parents who are a little bit worried about their kids, not sure what to do, not sure if they need an evaluation or their pediatrician said, wait and see what happens. This is a great program for that in-between phase of do we need speech therapy? Do we need just a little bit of help to stimulate language here? And they can find that on my website and through the link in my Instagram bio. That's a great option. And it also helps prevent those later language concerns um, that we talked about too. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, thanks again for being a guest here and for being in this space um, in speech therapy as it's something that's so needed. And I really appreciate all the tips that you've given us as parents to be more confident in interacting with our kids and knowing when we should be concerned and um, maybe if what we're seeing isn't really a red flag and it's just them learning and growing at their own pace. So I really appreciate all that clarification. And thank you again for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure and I'm happy to help parents. I love any opportunity. So thank you for allowing me this platform to do it. So, Thanks for listening to the Branding for Women podcast. If you love this episode as much as I did, please subscribe and leave a review. Have a great weekend.